ڈارک In this article, Hamraz argues that the political, strategic and economic aspects of CPEC should be integrated while evaluating its progress instead of employing them separately in isolation. Our viewers on YouTube can find the link to his piece in the description. Hamraz, thank you for joining us. Before we begin, can you please let us know what motivated you to write this piece? Um, thank you very much, Zaki, for having me. And yes, um, we have been uh, working on CPEC. Uh, for some time here at the CSCR and uh, this year has been a very crucial year for CPEC. Uh, there have been many turbulences, a global pandemic and much more. So uh, lately uh, a study came out by Andrew Small uh, that apprised of the recent delays and theorized those delays in a certain way. So we found those facts and uh, those observations very compelling and we thought it very necessary to respond to it in some way. So that's why we thought to write it. Okay. So Hamraz, uh, uh, you, uh, so you talked about the interaction between two different governance cultures uh, when referring to the donor and recipient. Uh, you said that Uh, quote unquote, which was built for a different kind of development coming from a different culture, competing the greatness of a different power center that is the West, Britain and the United States. So what did you mean by uh, these lines in your, uh, in your piece? Yeah, you see, uh, these social and political institutions in Pakistan have evolved a very certain way. Uh, we have a political culture, a governance culture that we inherited from our colonial past. And then uh, the foreign interventions, uh, financial and political both, um, aid infrastructure and uh, structural adjustment regimes, they shaped, they further shaped our institutions a certain way. So uh, when Chinese finances uh, came in, They came with a different aspiration from a different political culture, from a different governance culture. So there is a very unique ontological struggle between two cultures uh, as far as CPEC is concerned. So in that context, I, uh, I, I meant actually, I, I was referring to this uh, ontological struggle between two cultures. For example, uh, many analysts uh, believe that, uh, for example, bureaucratic red tape is one of the major challenges to to, to the CPEC. So th th this is uh, one allusion to uh, the, the point I was trying to make there. Um, my question for you, Hamraz, is that um, you wrote and you've uh, emphasized very strongly in your article that uh, security will remain a very key factor in the development and evolution of CPEC because of internal political dissent and uh, changing economic realities. And we all know that uh, this situation has not been different in the previous political regimes also. Uh, but do you think that um, that factor has uh, played a significant uh, impact on the way people, uh, especially uh, international observers, 
or local observers for the as a matter of fact perceive the salience of this project is it too emphasized is it over emphasized uh, the security aspect yes yes uh, pakistan pakistan has a very unique case of its own we have to accept the reality that there's there are certain things in pakistan certain things to to the, to the country uh, pakistan was born with with the security paranoia pakistan has evolved with the security paranoia security has always remained and will remain a very important aspect in uh, in pakistan and for pakistan so uh, for for sure in cpec the kind of challenges that pakistan is having and and is going to have security has to remain a very key aspect to the cpec so i think uh, but do you think that uh, but do you think that the fact that uh, pakistan has always been in a sort of a dilemma regarding security and uh, that is uh, one of the reasons why uh, international observers make it a point to focus on that aspect more as compared to the economic aspect because you've mentioned in your article that there needs to be a careful balance between these two aspects yes uh, in my article the point i wanted to make uh, is, is that uh, we we cannot very uh, clearly differentiate be between the economics and uh, security and politics especially in pakistan uh, uh, if we look at the uh, recent uh, development practices prevalent in pakistan um, the previous uh, uh, development practices they they have always occurred in a close nexus uh, with the security formations you can see uh, during the uh, military regimes in pakistan pakistan got the most soft dollar access and likewise uh, pakistan uh, pa 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 pakistan experienced a softer and lenient debt servicing infrastructure when military was in uh, direct rule here so pakistan is a very security oriented state but that security uh, orientation is not only security orientation the point i wanted to make it it is a political exactly. orientation also because that, that is the nature of the context of the regional political context that pakistan is in like um, Dr. Malik Alodi once said, "If we if if we could put Pakistan somewhere else, we would, but we have to uh, make up with whatever we have." Indeed. Okay, so uh, quite interestingly, uh, one article was uh, I, I just came across this article that was uh, uh, published in Jamestown Foundation. Uh, so uh, they are now they have now come up with this. fancy new terminology known as the himalayan quad uh, <laughs> so uh, th there is this uh, concerted attempt i would say uh, from certain um, from from the academicians and uh, think tankers uh, selling In certain places, who are now trying to or uh, uh, trying to securitize every uh, initiative taken by the Chinese. So uh, this uh, interesting article. Uh, uh, I think it was Jagannath Panda. Yes, exactly, exactly. So even there, they have tried to uh, somehow project this that. uh china's uh, framework of infrastructural diplomacy and development 
uh, in this uh, Himalayan region, uh, these countries, uh, uh, it's not it is impossible not to view the initiative through a security prism. So uh, again, I think we need to uh, uh, we need to uh, look at, at what's happening in Pakistan and the Chinese initiatives again from a very from a, from from a very uh, from a very objective viewpoint. So uh, I would somehow I would I would I would concur with uh, the observation uh, that has been made by Hamras that uh, we there is a security viewpoint, but there is there is this political viewpoint as well. So we have to, we need to focus more on that. Okay, so Amraj, a very interesting line in your article. This uh, this is the very last line of your uh, uh, piece in which you have mentioned last but not the least, academics and analysts ought to find a balance between critique and euphoria and pessimism and optimism. I, I do understand that we, uh, the, the, the people in Pakistan, most of the- I think that was a very fantastic point if I may add. That was a very good point made. By Hamraz. And yes, and not only here, yeah, but also uh, because you have reviewed the piece of uh, Andrew Small, Doctor Rabia. We tend to we tend to go overboard in our uh, assessments of how uh, things are happening. So uh, I would like you to shed more light on uh, this particular uh, phraseology that you have uh, employed here in this. Uh, article of yours yeah again uh, that was in connection with the uh, recent comment that i made that we have to accept that uh, we, we have to accept the prevalent uh, uh, strategizations and politicizations that exist in the world and anything like cpec has to take place in the same world so all those uh, strategic and political formations uh, have to uh, ha have to have certain impacts on uh, on things like CPEC. You have mentioned the balance between quote unquote critique and euphoria and pessimism and optimism. Yes, uh, again, like the comment I just made, uh, uh, any development has to take place in a highly strategized yet politicized space. This is another line from the article. I'm I'm, I'm just repeating it, but. Uh, the thing uh, uh, I, I meant by that is we have to uh, accept the realities and uh, we have to accept that CPEC, uh, it, 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 uh, CPEC can neither be a, an absolute game changer and uh, nor it can be uh, a total failure. So we are in, in the um, so you mean to say we have to strike we have to strike the right balance. So what are the pre uh, prevalent narratives out there? The nor the narratives that uh, that uh, according to your assessment uh, borders on uh, critique uh, too much critique and the narratives that are too much euphoric. So what are some of the prevalent narratives out there? Yes. Uh... One of the narratives that is mostly coming from Western academia and uh, and something what we call the global civil society 
is very much fixated on the human rights aspect or aspect of the Chinese regime and the security aspect of the whole BRI. So uh, that that is not very cool to do. We have to uh, see that uh, uh, all the uh, previous uh, financial interactions that China had with other countries and nations were, were not as brutal as, as, as the ones those nations had with the IMF or the World Bank. Like uh, in the Far Eastern economies uh, after the 1997 uh, Asian financial crisis, uh, around it was around 2002 or 2003 when China initiated early harvest trade regimes with, with the Far Eastern economies. So it was very unprecedented. It, 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 was, it was not experienced before in the world because whenever finances came from the Western financial institutions or international financial institutions, as we call them, they came with, uh, with very certain security uh, agendas, with very certain territorial and political agendas that uh, did uh, more than the problems they solved, uh, they, they created more, more problems than that. So uh, there is uh, no, uh, you can say the rule of thumb in it that if the foreign finances are coming and if China is like this, Chinese political regime is like this, China has certain political norms, it will definitely inculcate those norms into the borrower countries or something like that. Chinese financial governance is very much nuanced as compared to uh, the Western financial governances that we, we've had. Speaking of uh, the Chinese financial governance, uh, you're obviously focusing your entire perspective on uh, the approach of China. And uh, one of the interesting lines, uh, one of the um, several interesting lines from your article, which I extracted, you write that uh, a single top-down approach to policy making vis-a-vis CPEC should be discouraged and uh, political, territorial, environmental grievances should be sufficiently addressed. These are some very pertinent observations. So, uh, would you place the onus of this on the government of Pakistan to be mindful of these aspects or would you say that this is something which the Chinese Politburo or the, uh, the country itself should uh, advance and push in Pakistan? Because obviously when we talk about infrastructural uh, systems in place, as you have mentioned, uh, we do not have that sort of a culture to be mindful of these things. So who do you place the onus on to? The onus is obviously on the Pakistani government first, because uh, in CPEC, if the, all the border countries are not just the passive recipients of Chinese finances and Chinese political culture. They are very mm -hmm. active recipients to it. And uh, like uh, in environmental aspect, uh, governance aspect, uh, energy aspect, many of the choices have been made by uh, the borrower countries themselves and China was not necessarily pushing for them. So it, this is a very bilateral street and, and uh, borrower countries have, uh, borrower governments especially, have much say in it. So uh, borrower countries, especially the Pakistani government has a big responsibility to be mindful of these aspects and these issues that it can face. Uh, through uh, through the pro progress of the CPEC and also it is it is also uh, um, we we have a historical case also as we were talking about the skepticisms and skeptic international narratives about CPEC and BRI yes we have, a, we have a historical case of our colonial past we have a historical historical case of IMF's uh, financial governance and uh, structural adjustment regimes and we know that what things can go wrong 
and how we should know we should learn from them those experience should inform uh, inform our our present experience that what should we not do here and how can we protect this so hamraz uh, hamraz sorry to interject let me just add a sub question to this one because uh, the your discussion has come to this point you talked about the imf very good historical examples which you have given but uh, we all know in pakistan as far as our domestic understanding is concerned that uh, when the imf wanted to impose some sort of a behavioral change in the system it, it adopted a technique of coercion and some sort of a slight coercion because uh, as you mentioned rightly the colonial uh, leftovers which uh, form the core of our institutional systems uh don't you think that that is what uh, china will also should uh, be mindful of and adopt the same techniques or will we just sit and wait for islamabad to you know uh, learn from uh, historical lessons which uh, i'm sorry to say i don't see that uh, ever happening in history yeah you're you're very right actually there uh, we, we 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 can we, we cannot definitely sit and uh, wait for anything to happen here we uh, as citizens as uh, civil society stakeholders as academicians should push for the things that we think are necessary uh but uh, still uh we cannot say much about the government you know uh, what will they do uh, what political context they are made in and uh, what political slogans uh, they, they have carried along so uh, it, this is a very complex case we, we we can we cannot very yeah so my last question for you is um, as far as political sloganeering is concerned um finally just to sum up uh, your individual perspective uh, if i were to ask you that perhaps the state of pakistan strategic communications has proven to be ineffective hence we see that security as compared to uh, economics has dominated the external perception of cpec would you agree with that or would you say that that is still a debatable thing could you repeat the point please i'm saying that um, would you agree to the assertion that perhaps faulty strategic communications on behalf of the government of pakistan have uh, facilitated the external misperception around cpec focusing more on security instead of uh, economics the, do you think that's a communications problem not entirely not entirely on pakistan's part uh, this thing does have a part in it but uh, the most part the is 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 on the western biases uh, against china i can say interesting interesting well um, hamraz it was a pleasure to have you on the show and these were some very interesting perspectives which you shared with us and uh, once again i would like to request the audience that uh, you can read hamraz's piece for cscr in the description of the youtube video um and the same uh, will also be available on the official twitter account pgr podcast as well as cscr_pk on twitter hamraz it was a pleasure to have you thank you very much and we look forward to further writings from you thank you very much